Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am so excited to finally share this conversation with you. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. I learned about the brand Once Upon a Farm back in my days as founder at Bump Club and Beyond. And as you'll hear about in today's conversation, I learned about the brand when A-list celebrity Jennifer Garner joined the team as a co-founder and the company sent out a press release and it landed in my inbox. But until this conversation, I had never met the original founder, Cassandra Curtis, despite probably crossing paths with her many times. She started her company the same way many mom entrepreneurs get started out of her own necessity when her kids were babies. If today's conversation inspires you, please share it with a friend or share it on social media. Tag me at Lindsay Pinchuk. I will absolutely come and say hi. Or feel free to leave us a review on Apple or subscribe to the show. These conversations we're having here are so incredibly important, and I want as many people as possible to hear them. When you do little things like sharing the show or rating and review, leaving reviews, that helps us to get discovered. It helps us to spread knowledge, helps us to spread the wisdom that all of the founders here share with us every week, and ultimately, it, it helps our community grow. But most important, it helps our mission to support as many female founders and entrepreneurs as we possibly can. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening. I know you have a lot of choices when it comes to podcasts. Your ears and you tuning in mean the world to me. Cassandra brings extensive knowledge of product development, childhood nutrition, and first life parenting experience to her position at Once Upon a Farm. Leading innovation and brand voice across all consumer touch points, Cassandra is helping to change the landscape of childhood nutrition by creating the highest quality, freshest recipes on the market for kids of all ages. As a mother of three, Cassandra has always been committed to bringing only the healthiest food into her children's lives, understanding the importance of proper nutrition from day one. However, as a working mother, she quickly realized that finding time to shop, chop, prep, and create nutrient-dense and delicious food was difficult, and fresh, organic, pre-made food of the caliber and quality that she expected really wasn't available at the time. It was this dilemma that inspired Cassandra to create the first product in the scope of a much larger portfolio, the first HPP organic non-GMO baby food product that tots would enjoy and moms would feel confident in buying. As an integrative nutrition coach with an extensive background in the health and wellness spheres and entrepreneurial endeavors, Cassandra's first foray into baby food was as the president of Mother's Garden, Inc., the actual first HPP baby food to hit the shelves in the United States. We're going to hear today just how Cassandra turned that company into what you now know as Once Upon a Farm. Please come on in and meet the incredible Cassandra Curtis. 
All right. So today on Dear Founder, we have Cassandra Curtis, who is the co-founder and chief innovation officer at a brand you probably see all the time on your grocery shelves, Once Upon a Farm. And I'm so excited to have Cassandra here for a lot of reasons. One being, I have been talking about this brand and hearing about this brand for a lot, a very long time, largely because of my experience at Bump Club and Beyond. And we were just discussing the fact that I've never, we'd never worked together. So I'm so excited to be able to work with you now and to share your story. So welcome, Cassandra, to Dear Founder. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I'd love for you to start us off by telling us about Once Upon a Farm and how you started the company and why you started the company. Yeah. So well, we are have really been the pioneer in fresh baby and kids food and snacking. We are actually the very first refrigerated cold pressed baby food on the market and since then have aged up the brand to really focus on six months to six years. Um, as a first-time mom back in, um, well, had my first daughter 2011, and was, when I started feeding her solid foods, that's really where the journey of Once Upon a Farm started because I couldn't find fresh food at the store. I could only find shelf-stable baby food, which I knew was basically akin to canned food. It was processed in the same way. I could literally buy better food for my cat and my dog in the refrigerated section than I could my baby, which is, um, you know, really something to think about. Why is that? And I was spending hours in the kitchen on Sundays preparing her food from scratch, you know, chopping, blending, researching the nutrition, putting in the little ice cube trays. And I just wanted to be able to spend that time with my baby versus my blender. And uh, I knew if I was having this struggle, other moms were as well. So that's where I really started to push the limit and challenge myself and, um, find out how I could bring this to market. So I did everything myself in the beginning, you know, found the co-packer, figured out the recipes, figured out the, the manufacturing of it, all the food testing, I literally wore every single hat and got it to a point where I was doing farmer's markets in the San Diego area and delivering fresh food to parents in San Diego had a refrigerated van <laughs> that I was driving. And yeah, I found, got really great feedback on the recipes found on a very small scale that this was a hit, got into some, some local chains in San Diego, got into at that time, they had a local foods program for Whole Foods. So got accepted into there. And it kind of just organically grew over time. I started looking for a business partner very serendipitously. The Ari Raz, who was one of the initial um, co-founders with me, it was just serendipitous in how we ended up meeting. Um, we ended up partnering. He was on the East Coast. I was on the West Coast. We had never met each other in person, but he was doing something similar with refrigerated baby food on the East Coast, um, wasn't using HPP, which is the technology that we use to really make sure that it has really good nutrition. Um, we were very complimentary in terms of our skills, decided to partner. We actually rebranded it to Once Upon a Farm 
in 2015. What was so it called before? Just out of It was curiosity. called Mother's Garden okay. before, which I'm so glad that we did the rebrand because Mother's Garden is so limiting. Now we have a, a platform brand that can really go into to so many different areas. And did our first bigger launch into Whole Foods Northeast in January 2016, which was one of the best moves, I think, because we were showing really high turns at a very high price point back then and got to take that velocity story and bring it into other stores and other Whole Foods and grew from there. Um, have been in multiple, started in multiple garages in San Diego. I think we were in about four different garages until we actually got our first official office. Um, and then around 2000, it was 2017 that John and Jen came on board through very serendipitous events that happened all at once. And now we've grown tremendously. I mean, we're, we have D to C, we're retail, um, we're in Canada and our innovation continues to grow. And really the, the mission and vision has always been to improve childhood nutrition and accessibility um, to as many children as possible. And we're definitely continuing to increase our capacity to meet that objective. So obviously I have a ton of questions, but yeah. for the first question I want to ask you is what do you think led to the high turns at that first whole food run in the Northeast? So you said yourself, you said we had these unexpected high turns and at a very high price point. Well, why do you think that happened? Yeah, we were at a $3.99 price point at that time per pouch. And I think it's because there was such a, a big need for it. I mean, more and more parents are and continue to understand the importance of childhood nutrition in the first 1,000 days kind of launched on the market when that awareness was starting to build. And it we're it launched in a very dense location in terms of the health awareness around that, the monetary, the monetary resources in that, with that target consumer. And it, yeah, it, it flew off the shelf, even at that price point. So, so you bring up your, you bring up your other co-founders. And I want to say that the first time I heard of you was mm -hmm. when the press release went out mm -hmm. that Jennifer Garner had joined your team. Yeah. And that's a very big thing for any brand to have any celebrity of that stature on their team that can put you on the map. I mean, I was in Chicago. I wasn't in a place where you were likely distributing at that time, maybe a little bit, but yep. um, I was not on the East coast. I was not in California. And that's really why I, my ears perked up when I got that press release, which I got all the press releases on baby stuff at that time. So I would love for you to talk about that serendipitous moment and how that changed your business. Because I, yeah. I mean, not only is she an A-list celebrity, but she is a mom who puts herself out there in yeah. every way and is has really led by example for so many of us. And I think that's why so many moms gravitate towards her because she's just so real. Exactly. And I think that that's why she has been such a good fit for the brand. I mean, she really is such a real genuine human being and is so authentically involved in the business. And 
I, that's exactly what we were looking for. We weren't looking for someone to just be a spokesperson for the brand. We were looking for someone to authentically be involved in more of the day-to-day and to, to be in it for the long-term. And she is, she's so relatable. And in terms of the way that that happened, I mean, she was looking to, you know, partner with a, a brand for a while. And one of our advisors knew, um, you know, the agent that she, she works with and he basically connected us to her and said, Hey, I know this baby food brand, look what they're doing. And she got really excited about it and asked to meet with us in her office in LA, went up there to meet with her, gave her samples. And she just fell in love with the mission and the vision of the brand. It was very, um, in alignment with the work that she was doing with and still is doing with save the children. And at that point, John um, was leaving Annie's and looking for a position like this. And they ended up meeting and having an, uh, it was a half hour meeting that ended up turning into a three hour meeting. And basically at the end of it, they said, you know, if you're in, I'm in. And here we are. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, it's amazing because I, yeah. and I, and I wanted to obviously ask that and share that because with the, it's not just having to your point, the spokesperson, that's not right. what it is. It's yeah. having the right person at the right time yeah. with the right mission behind them because yeah. a, a spokesperson comes and goes and a co-founder is around for the long haul. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So are all four of you still involved today? Yeah. So Ari has left the company um, for for various reasons on good terms. And uh, he he went over to a different company to um, run Coconut Cult. But John and Jen and I are still actively involved on a day-to-day basis. And how does, how does your, what does your day-to-day look like? Because, you know, you have, like you just said, and I want, and I want to bring this up because I know I've worked with many brands before who have celebrities behind them who said that everyone's involved. So what does your day-to-day look like the three of you? I mean, are you equally sharing the responsibilities or do you do certain things and Jen does certain things and John does certain things? How does that work with three co-founders? Yeah, I mean, we all have different roles. So John is our CEO, um, Jen is the chief brand ambassador, um, and I'm the, the the CIO, the chief innovation officer. So my role is basically focusing on innovation from ideation through commercialization. As we've grown, my role has definitely gotten more defined and has definitely not wearing as many hats as I did in the beginning. And I think that's a natural phase of growing bigger um, in a business, your role does get more defined. Um, So I'm making sure that our products taste really good, that they're safe, that they're nutritious and are meeting all of our innovation parameters and making sure that anything that goes out to market passes the palates of both a parent, a kid, and has the cleanest label of pretty much anything else that's in that category. November is here. And by far, it is my most favorite month of the year. That goes without saying. I love Thanksgiving. It is my favorite holiday on the calendar. 
mostly because I get to go home to Michigan, to my town outside of Detroit, and get to spend time with my family and friends. And anyone who's from Detroit knows there's nothing like Thanksgiving in D-Town. It's also my birthday later this month, and that's obviously so much fun too. But more than anything, you know, November always serves as a reminder to me for all that I'm thankful for. And it's really something that I think about all year long, and especially in November Honest to God, all of you guys rank right up there at the top of this list. I never in my wildest dreams would have expected Dear Found Her to take off the way that it did when I started planning it over a year ago. And it's because of all of you here listening every single week to both episodes that we continue to grow leaps and bounds. And honestly, I, I'm blown away by the response, by the DMs, by the emails, by the conversation. So thank you so much. I've been trying to think about a way that I can express my gratitude and thanks for making the first year of Dear Founder as incredible as you guys have. So from now until November 24th, I'm going to give you guys free access to your choice of one of my digital products to learn my best tips and tricks for building a monetizing community, or you can treat yourself to a coffee at Starbucks on me. Really simple. To redeem your free gift, all you have to do is rate or review Dear Founder on Apple Podcast and submit a screenshot at lindsaypinchuk.com forward slash thank you by November 24th. I will also link it below in the show notes so that you have no trouble finding that link. It's not a raffle. Anyone who submits the form by November 24th will get their choice of a free gift. So thank you again so much for supporting me, for supporting the show. I cannot wait for what is to come. Have a great day. November and a very happy Thanksgiving. What does the overall team look like at Once Upon a Farm? How many employees do you guys have and and where are they based? Are you guys remote now because it's the, you know, we're coming out of this pandemic? What does that look like? Yeah, I know I'm losing count on the employees. I think we're at 50, a little over 50 right now. I have to double check. Well, that's um, amazing. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It's awesome. And we we are all remote for the most part right now. We do have an office in Berkeley that people can go into that are in that area if they choose. But since COVID, we very seamlessly, um, I mean, wasn't without challenge, right? But we, we've we done it well. And we, we got through COVID amazingly well, and all being, all being remote. So it's possible. And since we did find that it could work, we've kept that going. So I'd like to go back to the early days, because you talked about the four garages where you guys started. And I think that the biggest leap that entrepreneurs often take is moving from that quote garage or apartment or kitchen into the more official production space, commercial space, whatever that looks like. So what was that moment? How did, how did it look? And when did you know that you needed to really take that step? Yeah. So we were in three different garages with See, there were five, five to seven employees, I think at the most, by the time we were in the, the third garage. And at that time, our business kept growing. Our D to C was growing so much that we couldn't house enough refrigerators <laughs> and pallets and boxes in the garages. So it was became a capacity issue. And at that time, we were ready to have our own official space. We were having people come in for meetings. Garages didn't have air conditioning. So it was, <laughs> we, we, we wanted the comfort and we needed the space. So 
that's, that's really what drove that change. And it was definitely needed at the time. We were able to increase capacity efficiency with packing, housing all the materials. And it's nice too, to be able to, at least at that time, to, to kind of move out of my home space for so many things. Well, and during that time also, this was before, this was when it was first just you and then you and Ari. What was the what was the process like in terms of who funded the business? Yeah. So that's a in the huge beginning, question we get all the yeah. time. I mean, cause everyone's like, you have this product who, who paid for it, you know? Yeah. Well, in the beginning it started with when I first started, it was friends and family. Right. And then we continued, um, more of a, a friends close family round, um, for the first official round when Ari and I partnered together. Um, John was one of our earlier investors, um, which is amazing for him to circle around and then become the the CEO. And um, since then, you know, we've had a number of of larger investors that have come in to fund the business. We've luckily chose our investors very wisely, and they've been able to stick with us um, for the long term. And we haven't had to really go outside our inner circle. That's amazing. Yeah. And it also speaks to the quality of your product. Yes. Quality you know. of product and team too. The the quality of the team and the, the well, confidence. Because you wouldn't, you, if it wasn't a quality product run by a quality yeah. team, you would have to keep going back for, for more funding. So for, for sure. That's, it's so true. And what's amazing is, you know, our core products that um, we sell are actually the ones that I originally started with at the farmer's markets. And those ones have proven to be the most solid over well, time. So how has that product changed over time? Because obviously there's different quality control. There's yeah. different a different manufacturing process that goes into creating those core products, yet yeah. they're still your most popular. So yeah, how has that changed? You know, it actually hasn't changed much over time. We've actually had the same manufacturer. They've, they've definitely expanded over time as well, but the same manufacturer that we used in the very beginning that did the very first run, um, you know, we do use fresher ingredients. So that is one thing that we, we run into is there is natural variability in apples. For example, we use whole fresh apples. So you're not going to get an apple with the same level of sweetness every single batch because they're fresh. So you will see that variability, but that is something that is important too, because that's how food is. Food is variable, right? It's not this, this stabilized sugary food that's the same every time you open the lid, which is what you see with some of the shelf stable brands. Um, they just, they have such a high bricks content and they're controlled for that. So you, it tastes the same every single time, but we believe that kids should be exposed to variability for palate development. So one of the other things too, that I think is amazing about your product and where you sit in terms of category is very similar to my history is you have the best marketers in the world consuming your product. Mm -hmm. And that too speaks to the quality of your product because mm -hmm. if moms didn't like it and if kids didn't like it, yeah, you wouldn't have a product, right? So I know that a lot of 
your marketing likely comes from word of mouth and a lot of it comes from referrals and a lot of it comes from sampling. But what else have you guys done to kind of cultivate this community? Because I I do, I know just from being in it that you're in a unique spot because you reach this amazing consumer who wants the community focus. So what do you do to get the word out and how do you continue to grow your customer base? Yeah, so definitely there is a lot of word of mouth and the product does speak for itself, but we also do a lot of in-store um, shopping promotions, trade, um, discounting. Um, we, the blogs, um, we work with a lot of influencers too. Um, we do some, we've started to do some television ads. Um, we're doing, you know, a number of, um, you know, local things too. There's been a few events where we've gone and this has not been so much since COVID, but before then we were going to a lot of the, the mom shows and talking to moms one-on-one on the ground. They were getting to know our product and brand. Um, Jen is a big piece of it too. You know, she is the megaphone for the brand. So we do get a lot of awareness because of her. And that's been a plus. And that's, you know, it's been such an asset to, for her to be able to come in and be the megaphone for this brand, because it was a new category. Parents weren't used to seeing food, baby food, kids food in the refrigerated section. So she's been able to bring awareness to that. And I think that that has been a huge influence and kind of been part of the tipping point. Now, you know, almost every mom I talk to has heard about it or knows about it, even if they're not a mom. How do you deal with the competition? Because there's a lot in the parenting space. And I know that obviously from experience and yes, you were the first in that space, but you know, when, when someone has a good idea, there are definitely others that follow. How do you, I, I would love to know two things. One, how the company deals with the competition, but I also want you to share how you and your psyche deals with the competition, because this is a question I get from founders all the time. Yeah. And I know what I say, but I would love to know, to hear what you say. Yeah. Well, with this category specifically, I think speed to market was huge because yes, Weather's Garden was the very first HPP baby food on the market, but there were also, and that was before it became Once Upon a Farm, we were the the first and retailers were very gracious and letting us transform the branding and keeping those spots. But um, there were a lot of other companies that were trying to do something similar around the same time, Um, but we, we were first. So we got to try that shelf space initially and that, you know, kept our momentum going and you know, persistence too, right? I mean, <laughs> and, and being flexible and nimble in learnings. And um, we started off the company doing some consumer research around, do parents prefer a pouch or do they prefer a cup? And it was hands down pouch. You know, there's been a number of baby food companies that have tried to come in a cup and I cups offer a lot of advantages. It definitely agree with, you know, the cup format, but a lot of parents want pouches. So I think that that also helped in terms of um, giving us a competitive advantage with some of the other um, refrigerated 
baby food, kid food companies that were coming out around a similar time. In terms of now, what I think sustains that is it's not easy to do what we're doing. I mean, if a shelf stable competitor tried to come in and do what they were doing, it would be a lot harder for them. They don't have that supply chain set up. I mean, some of them do, but it would just be a whole new thing for them. And I think I'm guessing a lot of them are watching us to see how we do. Um, and, you know, we are prepared. Um, we, we were aware that a competitor could come in the space in any moment. And if they do, you know, we'll, we'll adapt and we will, we will learn from it and we will pioneer. <laughs> I think the fact that we were the first two is that has gotten into the collective psyche of moms. They, they know us, they trust us. And if a bigger company came in and tried to do what we're doing, I don't know if it's going to have the same brand loyalty and trust that we've built as a brand. Well, and that too is something that's very important within your consumer category is the brand loyalty and trust. And, you know, that is something that obviously you guys are very transparent. You can go on your website and you, I mean, it's, it's, very easy to see the trust and the loyalty, but how are, how are some ways that you communicate that as well to your customers? Because that's not something that happens overnight for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that it takes time to build that relationship with your customer. It does. And I think it, it starts with the founder. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's really been built, built from the ground up. And those are values that I hold myself and have always held. And um, it's been built with that mentality. And that has shown through in our customer service from the very beginning and still does as we've grown, which is, you know, we're not being authentic and transparent that consumers want to be communicating with a human, not a machine. And to have that warmth and connection and caring and that, that, is felt and authentically goes into everything that we do from the products we put out there to our customer service, to our messaging, to how we respond to, to, you know, consumer comments, um, to the vendors that we're working with. It's really ingrained in the values of our, our business. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. 
I want to share with our listeners because I want them to really understand the full perspective of how far you've come from the farmers markets in San Diego back in the day. So mm-hmm. tell us where you are now in terms of how many doors you're in, how like what your revenue is, if you can share it. You know, I would love to kind of give the listeners some perspective as to how big your company is. Yeah, I know. Started in, gosh, five farmers markets and delivering to local parents in San Diego. Now I have to double check, but I think we're in over 9,000 stores now, maybe almost 10,000 and growing. Um, in terms of revenue, I, I can't give out that information. That's okay. That's <laughs> okay. Can Not everyone you, can, but I wouldn't yeah. be doing my job if I didn't ask. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, I can tell you we're, we're growing and continue to grow very rapidly and so much more to come. I mean, we just did a $52 million raise and lots, lots more coming soon. Which is amazing. So what can you share about what's to come in terms of like, and I know some of it is proprietary and and that's okay. And, you know, probably under embargo because it's product, but what can you, what can you share about the future of the brand? Mm-hmm. I can tell you that we've continued to age up the brand over time. You know, we're now really a brand for six months to six years, and we are continuing to innovate inside of the pouch. And we'll be looking to do many more things um, outside of the pouch and beyond. And I can tell you that that's all going to be coming in the next next few years. So I know that doesn't give you much. No, but- it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. Well, and I, and I want to share too. I mean, obviously like Cassandra can't share that much because of what we just talked about, which is the competition factor. And you have to keep your products very close until they're ready to go to market. So like, you know, and it makes it more exciting to, to not know. (laughs) Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about your mission with save the children. Um, I know you talked a lot about that in terms of Jen and, and her involvement with save the children, but your brand has a big mission with Save the Children. So can you talk about what you're doing there? Because I also think it's very important for founders who are listening and formulating what they want to do to think about their give back mission and mm-hmm. and what where where they should take their brand in that regard. Yeah, we've committed to donating a million meals with Save the Children. Um, so that's happening. And then we just partnered um, with them to do a give back on our overnight oats product. So 25 cents for every pouch that's purchased will go to um, save the children. And there's lots more that we're doing with them too. And internally, like we had a, a volunteer program where employees could actually read stories to the children and actually volunteer offsite to do certain activities with them. So we're going to continue to partner with them in different ways too, as we, as we grow, we did a stuff the bus event with them and we'll be doing a lot more as we continue to grow. Well, I love that too. And I love that it's not just a financial give back mission, that it's a social give back mission too. And that speaks to about the culture within your organization. Yeah. You know, when you, I just, out of curiosity, when you look at the culture of your organization, do you have a lot of moms that work for you? We do. We have a lot of moms and a lot of, yes, and a lot of soon to be moms too. Um, 
which is great. <laughs> it's great that um, the moms, you know, they, they're even extra passionate about the product and what we're doing. We have a number of moms too, that are in the innovation departments who are really understanding, you know, they're kind of in that journey of feeding solids and this is what's working for me. This is what's not. And are really giving a voice to the innovation conversations that we're having because now, you know, what's, it's similar, but what's out there now in terms of, um, you know, baby nutrition and kids nutrition, it's, it's different than what it was 10 years ago. So to have different than what it was five years ago. Exactly. I mean, this market and this consumer segment changes so often that you have to be on the pulse always, always for, for sure. And it's hard to find them too. You know, I mean, it's really like, when I think back to bump club and how I started reaching this consumer at first to how bump club was reaching this consumer. When I left the business in 2021, it is night and day, you know, I mean, like, especially given how many social platforms there are now and also her buying habits and organic food wasn't as big of a deal 11 years ago. I mean, there's just to your point, so many different things. And having those people on your team also speaks to your mission as well, because, and I ask that because at Bump Club, we, almost every one of my employees was mom, was a mom. Awesome. (laughs) Right. And like, and I got to a point where I was like, it is so important to me to be able to give this woman a reason to come to work every day that she feels good about it. Yeah. And right. And like, there's, and especially if you're, taking time away from your kids in which we all know that struggle. Yep. Yes. Not, not an easy one, but yes, we are very supportive as a company for that to ensure that, you know, family, family is first. So what do your kids think of all this? Oh, it's so funny. My, so my almost 11 year old now she's like, mom, mom, I was the inspiration for once upon a farm. <laughs> she, she wants everyone to know that. Cause that was, she was, she, she, well, she that's what my 11 year old says about bump club. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the recipes that I was feeding her, the recipes that were now are on the shelf, which is, which is kind of exciting, but she, she loves it. She gets so excited anytime that I, she knows I'm going to go talk about the brand and she, they still eat the product all the time. So I get, weekly shipments here and they're pretty much gone in a week. So they've, they've loved them from the beginning and continue to eat them, which is really exciting. And they still get excited when it shows up. Do, do you feel like they're proud of you for yes? Yeah. Which I is, mean, there's nothing better than that, right? Yeah, I know it is. Yeah. Yeah. And for them to see that, that model that they can, that, you know, their mom is going out and did something that really made a difference and that she's passionate about. And I, I mean, and it, you're changing lives. So, yeah. and you are, you know, I mean, you have a product that is needed that changes people's lives. So, yeah. yeah and I feel sure. like their antennas will even be more attuned the older they get and the more they see. Exactly. So, so I'm going to wrap up with my final question that I ask everyone. And that is, what would you tell a founder or entrepreneur who's just getting started? Like three things that they could or should be doing now to really help them make the moves. 
Yeah, gosh. One is knowing that it is not an easy journey. It is being an entrepreneur is very challenging. There's a lot of ups and downs. It can be very exciting, but also very hard. And the key is to keep going through all the ups and downs, to keep going and to also be flexible and nimble when you need to change direction. Because sometimes we can have this idea that this is the way, it's the only right way, but maybe it's not. So just kind of opening your mind to maybe saying no more. It's easy to, as an entrepreneur, I think, to say yes to everything that comes your way, especially in the beginning. That's one thing looking back. Like, okay, I, I could have said no to more things and probably still ended up here. You just gave an answer that I give all, all the time because, oh, because I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Like I, when I started saying no, my life changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big one. And then also really surrounding yourself with people that have done it before and have done it well and picking their brains, getting to know them. That was a big part of the success for myself in this company is really bringing in the right people at the right times. And that goes back to saying no, you know, not everyone is going to be a good fit. And that means that could mean an investor, that could mean a retailer, that could mean a business partner. So being really discerning is, does this line up with your values as an entrepreneur? All such great advice. So thank you so much, Cassandra Curtis, co-founder and chief innovation officer of Once Upon a Farm. Thank you for being here and for sharing your story on Dear Founder. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. I love today's conversation and I loved hearing about the origins of a brand and a company that I've known about for an incredibly long time. There were so many takeaways from today's conversation. And as always, I'll be sending those takeaways out to my email list. So make sure that you subscribe to the link in the show notes. When you do, you'll also get a lesson every single week to help you grow your business. But for now, here are my top five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, if you're having a struggle, there is a good chance that others like you are too. Your struggles give you an opportunity to solve a problem for yourself and others in your demographic, ultimately creating your business. Number two, having a spokesperson is great, but having the right person at the right time with the mission behind them is what's important. Number three, word of mouth marketing is very important, especially with moms, but other marketing techniques that have worked for the brand once upon a farm include influencers, blogs, some TV ads, in-store sampling, and coupons. Number four, brand loyalty and trust is very important to moms and also to products that are consumed. Earning brand loyalty takes time and it starts with the founder. Brand loyalty is built from the ground up. The founder must hold the values of the brand. And number five, family is first. And if that is the case, it should show throughout the corporation. I want to thank you again for being here today. And thank you, Cassandra, for sharing your story with the listeners of Dear Founder. If you know someone who wants to start a business or who has an idea, please feel free to share this episode with them. Share it in your Instagram stories, tag Dear Founder, tag Lindsay Pinchuk. I'll absolutely reshare some of those to say thank you. Please stay tuned for another episode of Dear Founder coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.